what a weird week it has been for me personally. I mean, it's like the highest of the highs, and I don't want to say <laughs> the lowest of the lows because I've I've been low places. This is not it, but just so much going on, and I today just want to share what's on my mind. Let's get into it. So welcome to Big Time Small Talk. I'm Jody Rollins, and this is another fun-filled episode of my podcast. First of all, thank you so much for tuning in. It's always nice to see that people care about something you're passionate about, and I'm passionate about this. I know everybody and his brother has a podcast, but you clicked on this one, so let's get into it. So this show is, a, as I say in my subtitle, a deep dive into surface issues, and that's what I want to talk about. I mean, there's been so much going on in the last, what, 48, 72 hours. If you're from the United States, and I'm really excited that I have listeners from all over the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ohio gozaimasu. Uh, you know, konnichiwa. Hello. Uh, what other languages do I know? I don't. I, hola, but I don't think there's anybody listening in Spain or Mexico just yet or any Spanish-speaking countries, but hello. They will be here someday soon. Right now, I mean, okay, so I said I wanted to talk about what I've been thinking about, what I've been, you know, sort of how I'm processing. So let me just start from the beginning. So what, three days ago, we had the debate between Trump and Biden and now Donald Trump is diagnosed with cor- uh, with quarantine with COVID and his wife Melania, the first lady. So now they're in quarantine because one of the close advisors, Hope Hicks, has given them coronavirus. And that's a lot to unpack. On top of that, I was watching an episode of Big Brother, and for those of you who don't know, I'm on another show, it's a TV Co show, which is actually, TV Co is an app, TVCO, an app, and it, it's um, all these different online shows about TV shows. So it's great for fans of any show, whether you like The Walking Dead, reality TV, mysteries, whatever it is, there's a show for you, plus other shows that are just topical, kind of like podcasts. But now we're actually going big. It's owned by CBS, which is really exciting, or or CBS family. I'm not sure. People who have something to do with CBS. And um, we are actually getting bigger. Now my show, which is, you know, recorded or done live, aired live, I should say, the TV co-show, which if you want to check it out, it's called Armchair All-Stars. And we talk about Big Brother. We are now going to be on YouTube and Stitcher or Twitch. I get those mixed up. And um, gosh, where else? Other places, right? Facebook Live, all these great things. Facebook Watch. So that's really exciting. So that has been exciting for me. But one of the reasons I'm able to be on this actual show is because I was on this reality show and because I watch the reality show. I couldn't be on a show talking about a show that I don't watch. And so I was watching an episode of Big Brother last night and it was really depressing. And it's hard to watch. And I'm gonna get into why that was depressing too, but adding that on top of just my personal life, like the holidays are coming up and there's just stress. When you have a huge family, like I do, I have five stepkids and some of them are spread on different country, different countries, different parts of the country. And, you know, two of them are married. So then there's wives and other families that are connected to them. And then our families of origin, my, my mom, my husband's parents. And it's just, I'm sure you guys can relate. If you have a big family, it's a push-pull of where are we going to go for the holidays? Who's doing what? And it just stresses me out. I mean, it's the beginning of October and I have to start worrying about Christmas. It isn't even Halloween yet, right? And flying and COVID and quarantining and not getting other people sick. And my in-laws who are, you know, 
I don't want to say elderly, they're elderly, but it's just nice to just say they're more seasoned and we don't want to get them sick. And so it's just all this pressure. Plus, as some of you may know, and I think some do, some don't, in my everyday life, I have a business and it's called Rollins Creative, which is obviously my last name. And it's about, I, I create events. I'm an event producer. So as I say, and I have said in the past, I don't do weddings and birthdays because when you say you do events, it's like, oh, well, can you do my wedding or birthday or quinceanera or whatever? And for those of you who don't speak Spanish, a quinceanera is like a sweet 16 for 15 year, 15 year olds. So it's a, like a celebration, coming of age, becoming a woman, like a bat, a, bat, a bat mitzvah, but for a 15 year old. So a lot of people know about that. But um, so I don't do that. I create events. So I do an ag expo, which I talked about in past episodes and a women's business empowerment event called Power Up. And this is our third year and we just finished it on Tuesday. And in normal times when we don't have COVID-19, it's an in-person event. I mean, we do this huge confetti blast, we dance, we listen to great speakers, we eat, we drink, and I mean, for me, just non-alcoholic beverages. Uh, it's not an alcoholic beverage kind of a thing, so we just enjoy sort of motivation and inspiration and connecting with each other as women, as business people, as professionals. It's a really fun, and positive event and I love it and I love connecting with other women and sharing my story and listening to their stories of triumph and tribulation and how hard it is to be a business owner or to work in the professional world and be a mom or and be a stepmom or and you know and 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 so it's just an event that I I just love it when I'm in it and it's I'm so proud that I created this event that touches people's lives. And this year, of course, due to COVID, we couldn't have it. We couldn't have it in person. And so we decided to do it virtually, which I was happy that we were still going to do it because the theme was motivation and inspiration, finding that during a pandemic which is really hard. It's very easy in the professional world to say, oh my God, the economy, oh my God, the pandemic, oh my God, this, so many people are out of a job and work and blah, 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 blah. And it's a lot of pressure. And I feel like there are opportunities for personal growth during this time. And there are also opportunities for professional growth. So that was the focus of this event. But it was me giving speeches and I do a PowerPoint and, and you know, trying to make the most of this event. But if any of you out there have ever had a Zoom meeting that was in webinar, like it was in the webinar mode, which means when you're speaking to people, you don't see them. You don't see their faces. All you see is a little square box, a black box that says, you know, their name. And so I had to do this event where I see no one. And it's incredibly difficult to speak to no one. I'm basically looking at a camera and you don't know how many people are actually out there. Like I could see the numbers in the room, but I don't know if people are just pressing play and walking away. I believe, and I know they weren't, but it's, it's sort of daunting to put your heart and your soul into something and put it out there and not get anything back. I mean, nothing. One of the reasons anybody like me does what they do and you know it's this podcast it's the tv co show it's my business and i do other things besides the event i do social media workshops public speaking workshops um uh, videos i create videos and edit videos for businesses all sorts of stuff right and it's always about connecting in some way or another marketing is always about connecting with your audience or connecting with your future clients and prospective clients. And so when you have an event like I did for Power Up this past Tuesday, and the connection part of it is completely gone, it like, I don't even know how to describe it. There's a, a phrase that's kind of going around now or a word, it's been around forever, but it's more, it's coming into our culture more and it's used in not a negative way. And that's empath. 
I am an empath, somebody who's very sensitive, emotional, intuitive, instinctual, I, and, and connecting is very, very important. I mean, right? I'm doing this right now. I'm, I'm talking. I'm sitting here by myself talking to you guys, and it is about connecting. And the feedback that I get are letters, and I'm going to actually read one of my mailbag letters today that just really touched my heart or, you know, the comments that people make on my social media about this show. It's about having that give and take because when you're an empath and in, in my case, it's literally like I am opening up my soul for you, for the people that I reach out to. And it's not that I feel like I should be patted on the back or I think that I should even be different. This is who I am. This is what I thrive at. I mean, my husband is not like this. He is a loyal to the bone type person. He is, there's these tests that you can take online to really show like who you are and your personality traits and stuff. And his is about steadiness. He is there for you. He's that guy. But emotions, not his thing. And it's not that he doesn't have them. He just doesn't really like them. And I think a lot of men are like that and some women. And so he's great at expressing to me, I think because we have a really, really close relationship and that's just like something special between us. But if he had his way, emotions would not be a thing, right? It'd just be like logic, logic, logic. He is a, a retired major in the United States Army. So he had to be logical. Emotions cannot play as big of a role in his life as they do in mine. Like he fought in Afghanistan, not on the front lines. To be clear, he worked in Intel. So, you know, which I'm so proud of him for that. You know, he helps protect this country, helped protect this country. So for someone like me, when you put your soul and heart out there and you're vulnerable and you get nothing back, it's a little devastating. And it's sort of painful because why I do what I do is for the connection, right? And so it's almost like I have sort of a, a PTSD from doing an event like that. It's like I have to come down from putting myself out there. And no disrespect for anybody who suffered severe PTSD because I'm not talking about that. That is a medical diagnosis. I don't claim to have experienced that in this case, just as an example, right? To explain what I'm talking about. So all of this stuff, <clears throat> I was happy that I was able to do Power Up, you know, for the third year in a row. It was almost canceled due to COVID, but we did it. <clears throat> we did it. And by the way, side note, I'm still dealing with allergies. I may sneeze here or there, but hopefully my meds will kick in. The last episode, I want to offer you guys an apology. The episode I did where I talk about body love and self-love. I'm in there like sniffling, like <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I listened back to it and I thought, man, I should have re-recorded it because I just, ugh, I don't want people to have to listen to me sniffling and sneezing and it's just disgusting. So I'm so sorry. I want this show to be authentic and, you know, not just re-recording and editing this is just a stream of consciousness and unfortunately with the last episode what came with that stream of consciousness is my allergy attack where my nose was running and it just sounded so gross so if you listen to that episode please do I think it's a great episode but I apologize for the sniffling I wish there was a button on here where you could like mute it for just a second they have that it's called the sneeze button in talk radio but they don't have that in my recording, but maybe when I, you know, start to become a big time podcaster, I'll have like higher tech equipment. So again, I apologize for that. And hopefully, um, you know, sneeze is not that big deal. It was just the sniffling. I'm just like, oh, it's gross. So I, I apologize for that. Anywho, so doing all this stuff where you put yourself out there, I'm putting myself out there with podcast, with the, this event, Power Up, and then I'm, you know, emotionally, it takes a lot. Being vulnerable takes a lot. And I think any one of you out there listening can agree and understand what that's like. Even if you don't do anything publicly like I do, you can see 
how it takes a lot of, out of a person. It can drain you. And it drained me in a way that I didn't expect. And so I was feeling kind of, and I always say, as the kids today say, I was feeling some type of way, which just means it was just a lot of emotions, just a, like a overwhelming like orchestra of emotions that I couldn't exactly pinpoint. And then the debate happens, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, maybe I have in past episodes, I love politics. I sincerely do. I love the idea that, and I'm talking about politics at its foundation, not the garbage it's become today. Because if you think about it, politics or political science, it truly is a science. And at its core, what it is, is people serving other people, protecting other people, working for the common good. That at its base is a beautiful thing that people sacrifice for others, that they say, I believe that my ideas and the way I think and the way I do things can help others. And I will risk my own sort of mental well-being and sacrifice my own way of living for others. That's what politics is at its core. That's what our forefathers said. Look, we want this, we want to form a more perfect union, right? That's what they say. A union of people coming together for the common purpose of liberty and justice for all. That is beautiful. And so I love the foundation and what politics should be. And I love good speeches. Speeches can change minds. Speeches can change the world. Speeches can change the future. They're so powerful when done well and done right. And I love it when people on opposite sides of an argument can find common ground and come together for the common good. That all of that is a beautiful thing. But when you look at the mudslinging today and what we have now, and I sort of made a promise to myself that this show would not be a show about bashing Donald Trump because there are plenty of other people that will do it. I've made it very, very clear that I don't like him. I don't respect him. And I think he's a terrible president. And that may sound like I was just bashing him, right? But you will never hear me talk about his hair or his tan or skin color or his body or his hands or any of that stuff that people talk about because I don't care. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care if he's three feet tall or seven feet nine, bald, missing all of his teeth. As long as he can govern, govern that's all that matters. And if he can't, it still doesn't matter. So that isn't important to me. But what I try to do is realize and understand why some people, and I'm not talking about the fringe sycophants who love him no matter what. I don't respect that. I'm talking about the people who are like, look, I am not a Democrat. I cannot vote Democrat. It's just against my core beliefs. I am pro-life, I believe in pro-business, I believe whatever they believe, and so they have to support Donald Trump. That I can intellectually understand and disagree with. And so for me, when that debate was scheduled, my first sort of inclination was, yay, I love debates, because I watch them all. And then I was like, no. I cannot watch this. It makes me angry to see the, the mudslinging and the, the lies that Donald Trump tells. I mean, he talks about supporting the troops when he paid $750 in taxes. That means $750 went towards the troops. You can't love this country and pay $750 when you're a multimillionaire. And for 15 years it came out, he didn't pay his taxes. You're the president of the United States. And I was like, wow, 
people who get mad about illegal immigrants not paying their fair share of taxes looked at Donald Trump and said he's smart because he didn't pay his taxes. And I'm like, what? So I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. Obviously, it came out that the, the, the debate was a shit show, like interrupting. And, you know, I support Biden, but he let Trump get to him. Telling him to shut up is not pres- presidential. Letting Trump get to you is a useless thing. You have to stay the course no matter what that man does and speak policy and procedure. And I don't think Biden did that. He tried and he did at times, but he let Trump get under his skin. And that's useless. So I didn't watch it, but I obviously saw clips because I couldn't help myself. And it's just overwhelming. And the part that came out about Donald Trump not denouncing white supremacy Imagine if you are black, Muslim, Jewish, Asian, Latino, gay, whatever. You're something other. That's what those groups hate. That is a large percentage of this society. Large now. Collectively, we are the majority. Separately, we are the minority. But all of those groups together, we are the majority. And he, Donald Trump, would not denounce white supremacy. And he never has. And he never will. And I sat down and I talked to my stepson about this last night. He's 17 and for the longest time he supported Donald Trump and was like, all lives matter. And now he sees the error of his ways, which this kid is an amazing person. I love him. He is a very giving, kind-hearted smart, decent, good person. Like he, in my opinion, is a positive thing for the future of this society. But empathy is not his thing. And to hear him say, well, yeah, but he didn't say he loved white supremacists, that would be bad. And he hasn't passed any laws to make white supremacy like the land of the law. Well, of course you can't do that. And I know by listening to him that other people think that way too. That, oh, well, he didn't really, and so it's just not a deal breaker. Not every person that supports Trump is is a racist, but it's not a deal breaker. And I have to understand, or I will go crazy, that that's how it is that other people have different focuses. Their focus may be, I really want the economy to be better because I feel like I can't feed my kids and take care of my family if the economy is a mess. I'm sorry, black people, I can't worry about you. I need to feed my family. I can understand that. I don't have to like it. I don't have to agree with it because I think you can do both. You can say, wow, I need to help stop racism and feed my family. But I understand that some people are like, sorry, I just don't identify. I I haven't been a black person. I haven't been a Mexican person. I haven't been a gay person or Asian or Jewish or Muslim. I don't relate. I'm sorry. The same as some people obsess about climate change. I don't. I'm sorry. I focus on people. I want fresh air and clean water just like the next person but it's just not been something I hyper-focus on. I don't litter, try to, I recycle, you know, do I do it always? No, especially now when it comes out that a lot of the stuff is just being shipped to China and they just, I don't even know what they do, throw it out in the sea or something. So I also have my blind spots at things that I don't focus on. And so I have to be able to accept that certain portions of white America doesn't care about racism. They aren't racist, and I believe that, but they don't care about it. And so I have to accept that, but it's difficult. And their focus may be on pro-life, which I always think it's interesting. They're worried about unborn babies, but if that baby grows up to be a black man and he's shot by the police, you're on your own. You know, there's the NRA constantly talking about rights of citizens to to carry arm, arms and just in case the government turns on us, we have the right, the Second Amendment, 
to make sure we can protect ourselves. But when the government comes and shoots a black woman, they're silent. If Breonna Taylor had been Taylor Breonna, a white woman, the NRA would have been there going, hey, how dare you shoot this woman? She was protecting herself. Her boyfriend was protecting herself. He had a gun. He had the right. Silent. Because they're black. So all of this stuff, personally, politically, the pandemic, it fucking weighs on my spirit. And it's a lot and it's overwhelming. And I have this debate with my stepson and it breaks my heart. I'm proud of him because of who he is, but it breaks my heart when I hear them both bring up, you know, my husband and my stepson, both white, by the way. What, what, about, what about black on black crime? First of all, race is a social construct. It's what we've decided to focus on. Instead of just saying we're all people, yes, we're, we have differences. Without skin, are we really that different? No. Without the shape of our eyes, are we really that different? No. Without the, the, the accent that we may or may not have if we're from Mexico, are we really that different? No, I don't believe so. Yes, we have differences and different perspectives and different culture, but we're human first. And so when people bring up things like, what about black on black crime? I'm like, whoa, let me just tell you. Yes, black on black crime, what it actually is, is a crime of proximity. People who have lower socioeconomic challenges kill and hurt the people they are surrounded by. All crime is done that way, all of it. So if you're black and you're poor, you most likely live in the city. And so you shoot and kill and harm the people who are around you. In the city, other black people. You can extrapolate that argument and say, look, school shootings. School shootings are predominantly white kids. Predominantly. It's like 0.000001% have been black kids. But they don't call that white on white crime. Race isn't even an issue. Yes, they mention kind of as a side comment, well, you know, he was white and we do notice that, you know, white kids are doing this, but we need to understand them. Why are they doing this? Let's understand them. And I agree with that. Gang violence, thugs, bad people, black on black crime, there's nothing to understand. There freaking is a lot to understand. It is about racism, it is about lack of resources, lack of education, lack of father figures, lack of all these things. That's why there is, quote, black on black crime. But no one wants to try to really understand it. They wanna paint it with a broad stroke and decide, well, black people, these, these thugs, they're just bad. Don't get me wrong. Gang, gang violence, very bad, very bad. But if you look at why it happens, there's a reason why it happens. There are many reasons. It's a lack of belonging. It's a lack of, it's, it's hopelessness. When you grow up in this country as a black person, you have an extra helping of hopelessness. And you can see that when you look at school shootings, how differently they're treated. Oh, this poor kid, let's look at his family. Nobody tries to look at the family of a gang member. Equally as bad maybe even less bad. Gang member might shoot two or three dudes. School shootings, dozens, both bad, just to be clear. So don't talk to me about black on black crime until you start calling school shootings white on white crime. Like really? So all of this stuff is coming up politically, socially, and then personally tuning into a show that for years I loved, Big Brother, loved the show. It was an interesting study on people and how they do and don't relate to each other. The original episodes of this show were like a documentary. It was 65-year-old man, a 22-year-old girl, a 50-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 30-year-old. It was like people from all walks of life, chubby, thin, attractive, old, young, black, white, gay, straight. That was interesting to me. But last night's episode really drilled home 
something that kind of broke my heart. And I was surprised how it, it really depressed me. And I want to share with you what I thought and what I saw coming up after the break. I'll be right back. Stay with me. So before the break, I was talking about how I watched an episode of Big Brother and it was just depressing. And I want to share with you why. And so this episode has sort of had a lot of details about race and bullying and I mean honestly a lot of the seasons have had that in the last since probably season 15 which was uh, 2013 year 2013 which is the year after I was on and so obviously 2013 14 15 16 17 18 19 and here we are so it's been eight years and the thing about racism it's like cockroaches like cockroaches and I remember when I lived in New York City, we, I li- it was just like the, the stereotypical sort of famed story, actress, waitressing, trying to make it in showbiz. And I lived in this little dinky apartment. It actually wasn't that small, but I had two roommates. And, you know, when the lights are on, it kind of seems like, oh, you know, everything's all right. You turn out those lights and you're assuming everything's still all right, you turn the lights back on and the cockroaches just scatter. Like they were always there, you just didn't see them. But when that light is shined on them, you will never forget and they are forever exposed and you know it's there. And that's kind of how racism has been in the last, I wanna say 15, well, not even 15, but maybe the last 10 years, it's just this slow burn. Because in the 80s, it was like, look how far we've come. Yay, racism is dying. In the 90s, it was like the birth of hip hop. You know, wow, white people are listening to hip hop and rap music. Everything is better. You know, white suburban kids were listening to it. And there's so much in music and television and black people in the 2000s are winning Oscars and everything's better. And then it's the truth, which is that there's so much injustice, injustice still. And now it's rearing its ugly head because of the man we have in the White House and the division that he's caused. I mean, racists were always there, but now they're emboldened. They feel like, hey, if the president supports me, woohoo! And that's a whole nother conversation. But watching the episode last night, it was just, it was like racism smacked in my face because David, the last black person on the show, got sent packing, got voted off, And before he left, he said, it's an honor to be here. I'm only the second black male to make it into jury, which is where they kind of go before they vote on the show. So if you don't watch the show, it's a little confusing to explain, but basically you stay on the show. We just don't see you. And then you vote who the winner is at the very end. So they call it the jury. And I thought, wow, he's only the second black male. This show has been on for 20 years, 20 years. And even in reality TV, black people can't get a break. And it's just like watching Kevin, who is half black and half Japanese, talk about how he didn't feel like he was connected and he felt other and he was also voted out. and. What's left in that house were white men and white women, which is, you know, the majority was that to begin with. But now the guys are wanting to start picking off the women. And that was the next thing they did. And it just felt like some sort of metaphor for reality. Like reality TV was reality. That in the end, it's white men who are in control. And this is, again, not a I hate white people thing because it always gets turned around to that. Some of my closest friends are white people. See how that sounds when white people say that about black people? (laughs) But it's really true. One of my dearest friends who I feel she is a sister to me and we disagree politically. We just don't talk about it. But I love her and I know she loves me. I love my husband. I love my stepkids, 
but it's hard to watch race always keep people at a distance. In general, people like to be around what is the same. Whether you're black, white, gay, straight, whatever, you want to be with people you can relate to. And so I get that. I don't fault them. I don't think that other than certain characters, one named Memphis, other than the rest of them, I don't think that they're racist. I think that they just want to be by people who are like them. I think Tyler is, is another person on the show, is someone who's above the fray, who's gone above and beyond. So there are people who do better. But it's hard to watch a show that's sort of mirroring back society to you. Because now the women are going to have a less of a chance of winning on this show as well. And it just got to me. And so all of this stuff, whether it was my, you know, women's empowerment event and political stuff and the debate and racism and TV shows and all of this stuff on top of it, interestingly enough, for those of you who watch Real Housewives, I do too. I'm starting to wonder if I'm outgrowing Real Housewives. I was watching Real Housewives of Potomac, which is, I had never even heard of Potomac. I'd heard, I had heard of the Potomac River, but that was it. It's an area near DC. It's a, it's a housewives show that is predominantly, well, I guess it is black and biracial. It's light-skinned black women and dark-skinned black women. We'll say that because they identify as black, but um, the, they are lighter-skinned and some of them have blue eyes or light eyes. So I was watching this episode and these two women who have gotten in this disagreement about, I don't even know, basically woman A was befriending a per I, I, I won't even try to explain it to you. So anyway, they have a disagreement. It's just too many details. And they're in a restaurant and they start arguing. And I think it was kind of like a setup restaurant. Like the background was an audience, like, you know, like extras because there weren't that many people and it was this weird place and they didn't really react. But they start arguing and they get in each other's face. And person A is like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, are you going to drag me? Which is, I guess, a term for like, I don't even know, like beat me up. And person B was like, I don't even know what she was saying. Something like, oh yeah? Oh yeah? You're going to push my buttons? You're going to push my buttons? And next thing you know, person B like flips person A's hair. And then person A is like trying to pull her hair away. And then the next thing you know, the two of them are like, face to face and person B is yanking her hair, which I don't know if it's a wig or extensions or a weave, but it's not all her own. Some of it is. I mean, she is pulling so hard that person A's head is like by her person B's face and she can't get out of the grip. This person is yanking and all of these people, producers, their friends are like, Monique, that's her name, the one who's being the aggressor. Monique, let go, let go, let go. And she will not let go. The woman is trying to yank her own head back, her own hair, and Monique will not let go. And she's not like screaming or looking like she's pissed. Her face looks calm. It's just like she's not there. And they literally, these men are trying to pull them apart. It's almost like they have to bang on her wrists. It goes on for, I don't even know, at least a minute, which is a long time to be yanking on somebody. It's like when you have earthquakes, which we've had a lot of those in the last 48 hours. 20 seconds is an eternity when it comes to earthquakes. So pardon if you hear my dog barking. This is a dog household. She wants to come in. Um, so watching them yank this woman off of this other woman and they have to separate them and they put Monique in this other room in the hallway. I'm going to pause the show here for just a second <laughs> so I can let my dog in. I'll be right back after the break. And we're back. <laughs> so I went and I had to spend a little time with my little girl, Julia, my dog. 
and she's so cute. If you want to check out a picture of her, you can check out on my Instagram. That's under my name, Jody Rollins. I posted a picture of her today because she's so cute and sweet. She's been a little stressed out because if you haven't seen in the news, um, who knows when you're listening to this, we've had what's called an earthquake swarm, which is a bunch of earthquakes over the last several days. I think we've had like 400 over um, a three or over a two. So some of them have been significant where things fell down, but nothing's like a big mess. I mean, in my house, the grocery store had to shut because all this stuff fell off the shelves and food and things were broken. So they've been significant, but it scares my poor little dog. Well, she's not that little, my poor medium sized dog to death. So I always want to give her a little bit of uh, extra attention when she's scared. And when she does her little that means she needs attention. So she's my child and I have to take care of her. Anyway, so this is a doggy household. Forgive the interruption if you're a dog lover and I'm a cat lover, but if you're an animal lover like me, you understand. So back to the story. So they separate these two women and the aggressor, Monique, has been put in the hallway of this restaurant. And she's like with a producer and like, let me out, let me out. She's like, I'm calm. Like she's talking like, as if you said, hey, what do you want me to get from you from the grocery store? She's like, you know, I want some eggs and I want butter and make sure you get meat. Like she's totally calm. She's not crying, she's not screaming. She's like, I just went out of this room, let me out, let me out. And she's pulling the handle and the producer's holding the handle down. And then she goes out the back side of this hallway. It's kind of a staircase. And she sees the girl that she had just been yanking her hair standing outside talking to producers. They're like, are you okay? Do you need to see a doctor? Did she hurt your neck? You know, and she's like, I'm okay. I'm just embarrassed. They're like, you should go because we want to keep you guys separate. She's like, why should I have to be ushered out of here? I didn't do this. They're like, right. We want to just keep you safe and separate. Monique sees this and she takes off running after this girl. It's just nuts. And they usher her into the van and drive her off the other girl. And by the way, the other girl is not Miss Innocent, you know, whatever, but nobody deserves that. She didn't do anything in particular to deserve that. Monique has had some issues in her marriage. And so this whole fight has to do with possibly her cheating on her husband, Monique. And again, I said, it's too many details, but it has to do with something very personal. But I just was watching this and I'm like, what kind of nut job pulls somebody's hair? Like we've seen it on Bad Girls Club or different reality shows or TV shows or whatever. But this, like she didn't just like, okay, I'm gonna calm down. She kept coming for this woman. And it just was like, man, what is going on in her brain that that's an okay behavior? Her own husband was like, that's embarrassing when she told him about it. And she's like, well, I don't care. This is a mother of like three kids. And it just made me sad. I'm like, who are you? These are real people. Yes, it's a reality show, but that behavior was disgusting. And so I've just felt like all this turmoil and all this stuff. And I'm like, it makes me at times feel a little hopeless, but I'm supposed to be the one that motivates people. I, I, I am a motivational speaker. And I remembered what I saw a little clip for those of you who haven't heard of her Brene Brown. It's like Renee with a B in front of it. So Brene Brown, you should look her up. Great speaker, author. She's amazing. She was talking about vulnerability and what that does because she studies shame and being vulnerable. So she's she's an expert, right? And she was talking about how that affects us. And for me, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this show, being someone who is sensitive, this stuff affects me. The political stuff, the TV shows, race relations, how people feel about all this stuff affects me. And what I've honestly learned in my lifetime is that that is okay. And that's sort of the bigger message about why or what I want to share with you guys about why I even wanted to share what was on my mind today. Like I said at the, the top of the show, this is like a stream of consciousness and just sharing my thoughts. The biggest message in all of this 
is that there is always hope and there's always a positive lesson or an opportunity for personal growth in everything. And it's a way for us to learn about ourselves and our family and our relationships, you know, who we are at our core. And I think that's actually a beautiful thing. You know, starting off the show, I was worried. I'm like, well, what if it sounds too depressing and and people are going to be like, I don't want to listen to this. And if that's their choice, that is their choice. That's okay. Fine. You click off. There's another podcast out there for you. But what I've promised with Big Time Small Talk, this show, is to deep dive into surface conversations. It's easy to say, oh, those reality shows. Wow, that was crazy, that fight. It's easy to say, oh my God, what a shit show, those debates. Oh, God. It's easy to say, man, you you put on a, 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 a women's empowerment event. That must have been difficult. Yes. It's easy to say, you know, racism, gosh, I can't relate. That must be hard and move on. It's easy to say all of that stuff. It's hard to open up. It's harder to share these things with you guys. It's harder to say, I can understand why people support Donald Trump. I intellectually can understand it. Emotionally, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? But emotionally, I choose to try to put myself in someone else's shoes for even a moment. I would hope that my white counterparts will put themselves in my shoes to the best of their ability. It's not easy. I can do it to them because I live in a society that is based and featuring white people, right? That is the dominant race in our society, in government, in life, everything. Television, movies, yes, there are minorities, but I understand more about what it's like to be white than a white person understands about what it's like to be black. And they get pissed off when I say that, but it's the truth. And so I try to put myself in your shoes, whatever race you are. I try to understand what it's like for Kevin, who is half Japanese and half black, or understand what it's like for gay people. And he was also gay. Kevin, for those of you who don't know, as I mentioned, is on Big Brother or was. I don't know what it's like to be a gay person but I try to empathize with how outcast they must have and do feel at times. At the same time, mix that all in with living in California and we have earthquakes, this earthquake swarm, which is is unnerving, I would say more than it is frightening because I've lived in California since 1997. I've been through probably hundreds of earthquakes, teeny, teeny, teeny ones, and then uh, maybe 10 decent-sized ones, maybe more, maybe less, probably more, now that I think about it. But when you have an earthquake swarm, it makes you realize, oh my gosh, this earth that I'm standing on is not, you know, it is infallible. It is not sturdy and stable it can move like you know that but well you don't really think about it until you have another earthquake because we've gone a long time without we haven't had an earthquake swarm in my area since 2012 since I was on Big Brother so having all of this stuff it is very easy to feel not okay and that was a lesson that I wanted to try to put forth in my motivational speech on Tuesday when I did power up and one of my other speakers wanted to put forth, it is okay not to be okay. It is okay to be uncomfortable. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to be angry, pissed off, hurt, confused, and sometimes hopeless. But in all of this mishmash, there's beauty. It's kind of like coal. It's black. It's hard. You know, black is beautiful, but it's just this rock, right? But under pressure, it becomes a diamond. 
this sparkly, beautiful, valuable thing. And I think we as humans are that as well. If we, choo if we choose to look at it that way, if we live our lives that way, it is easy to go, <laughs> Trump and Melania have COVID, suckers, you got what you deserve, and laugh. It is harder to do what I'm trying to do and say, I wish him a speedy recovery because I don't want anybody to suffer. I'm happy that maybe now he will understand that he should have worn a mask. I'm happy that maybe now he will see this is a dangerous disease and him joking about masks and telling people they look stupid and they're unnecessary hurt and killed thousands of people unnecessary, unnecessarily, thousands and thousands. But I choose to not be like him and make fun and gloat and dig. That's who he is. That is not who I am. That may be my first instinct to be like, got what you deserved. I'm human. But my higher self, my elevated thought process, my willingness to be better, right? Is to say Trump is a human being and I don't want him to suffer. He's the president. God forbid he dies and then Pence becomes president and then maybe people will vote for him and then uh, I can't even think about that. So all of this stuff leaves me actually feeling hopeful because if we look back at our history, the Civil War, you know, what even brought this country together? People left Britain and said, we want something better. The history of our country is about conflict. And even when I was, before I was born, right before I was born, you know, my parents were living their lives. Women couldn't do so many things that women can do now. There was civil unrest, Martin Luther King, marches on Washington, the Vietnam War. People used to spit on soldiers when they came back from war because they were like, you're violent, you're terrible people. Look where we've come. Now it's thank you for your service. So civil unrest can bring beautiful gifts. Discomfort brings beautiful gifts if we choose to see them, if we work hard at finding them, if we don't compartmentalize and just live on the surface and live in small talk, if we dig deep. Even earthquakes, there's a lesson to be learned. Look, life isn't promised. While I'm doing this podcast, we could have, quote, the big one, and my house could literally fall in on me and I could die. That is possible. I can sit in fear, or I can go comfort my dog and make her feel better. I can say, I can't control what the earth is going to do, so I'm going to live my best life. I can't control what Donald Trump is or isn't going to do. So I'm going to live my best life. I cannot control what police or racists or a reality show is or isn't going to do. I can find the little nuggets of truth and I can be my best self. I can be vulnerable with you guys and tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of racists. It is scary to have someone hate you for your skin color, something you cannot control. My stepson was saying to me he doesn't like it when people don't like his political views. You can change your political views. You can move somewhere else and they don't matter. I can't change my skin color. You can change your religion. You can choose to believe or not to believe. I cannot change my skin color. It is incredibly frightening to have the President of the United States be like, eh, white supremacy. I can get stuck in that. Or I can say, look, I'm a good person. 
I'm a flawed person like everybody else. But I have an amazing husband who is of the Caucasian persuasion. I have amazing stepkids who are also of the Caucasian persuasion. I have friends that are like family. I have my in-laws that are family, all of them white. And instead of focusing on the, forgive me, the bullshit that came out of Donald Trump's mouth during that debate and has been that way since he was running, David Dukes, former leader of the Ku Klux Klan, oh, I don't know who that is, he would say. And then they would air an interview where he discussed David Dukes. So he has done this from day one. This is nothing new. I can focus on that and live in fear and be scared and be angry and make fun of Donald Trump, or I can focus on the positives, the people who are good and decent, and try to give to the universe goodness and decency. Because if I do something else, I'm no better than him. I'm no better than anyone else who makes fun of him. And I don't mean the silly light jokes. I mean the the stuff that is just built on negativity. Life is hard. There's that famous book, The Road Less Traveled. If you ever want a really, really good read, fascinating, uplifting, I almost need to reread this book. I read it back in like, I want to say 1996. Six, I think the first sentence of the road less traveled. Life is hard. And some reason I have this, for some reason I have this expectation that it should be easier, but it's not. But other people, I suppose, have it more difficult. Some people don't have a leg. It was amputated in a war and they're suffering from PTSD. Some people are, somebody right now is getting diagnosed with breast cancer. I just got my mammogram back, by the way. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Get your mammograms. They're annoying, but they are not that bad. They're over quickly and they can save your life. If you're 40, 45, get your mammogram. If you're 40, 45 and above, get those mammograms. I just got mine back, clear, cancer-free, woohoo! And so there are people suffering right now who don't even know where their next meal is coming from. Their paycheck is coming from. They're being evicted. So I think it's important to remember that instead of hyper-focusing like we all can on other negative things, be in a place of gratitude and graciousness. And I'm saying this for you, but I'm also saying this for me. I get caught up in that stuff on the news and I take my breaks and I don't watch it, but then I'm like, well, then I'm just gonna be ignorant and I won't know what's going on. So I have to watch some of it. But it's good to just take a breath and remember to be grateful. Can I share, share with you guys some things that I'm grateful for so that we have positivity in this show And that's the crux of what I was trying to do and explain. We have to kind of go through the stuff to get to this point. I am grateful that I am not just married, I am happily married. Statistically, I should not be. Women who marry a man who's been married before with kids have something like almost an 80% chance of getting divorced. But my husband and I are happily married and I love my stepkids. I love them. It took time and space and strife and work and tears and heartache. But I can tell you that I love them. And I'm lucky to have them because they teach me so much about myself. I'm a better person because of the shit they put me through. Unknowingly, unwittingly, there are kids. It's just hard to be a step parent. For those of you out there who have a step-parent, cut them some slack. It is harder than you can ever imagine. And for those of you who are step-parents, my salute goes out to you because I see you and I feel your pain. It is a thankless job. Something great happens in in your stepkids' lives, they go to their parents first, their birth parents, their mom and their dad, and then I am in there somewhere. 
so it can be very thankless. But I've had some amazing moments with my stepkids, and I am grateful. I am grateful to have been on a reality show that I was kicked off unfairly. You can watch it, you can Google it on YouTube, or Google it on YouTube, Google it, watch it on YouTube, Jody, Big Brother 14, season 14, and you can see I was screwed over. Because of that, I ended up working in a talk radio. And then that led to a different job, which then led to my company, which then led to this, that, that, and now I'm doing a podcast, which I love. And I've met so many amazing people. I got to meet this, this lovely young girl, woman. She's a young woman. I think she's in her 20s. Nicole Anthony from last year's season. And she's just a sweetheart. You know when you meet somebody and you're just like, I just connect with her. Or my co-host on my TV co-show, Armchair All-Stars, Sam. I don't know him that well. I just connected with him. And it's those moments that I have to remember in the darkness. They both happen to be white. They both happen to be on Big Brother. That has nothing to do with it. They, I just feel a connection with them. And they felt the same way too. And he has a great TV co-show. If you want to listen to it, watch it. Send it with Sam. And Nicole has a show. I can't remember her name. I mean, the name of her show. It's something and friends. But you could check her out. You can Google it, Nicole Anthony, because I always like to promote other people's shows. People are shitty to her on Twitter, and she doesn't deserve it. Nobody deserves all the crap that they get on Twitter. Well, maybe some people, but that's another story. And so I want to remember what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my dog who when she looks at me, it melts my heart. I'm grateful for my cat. My cat will be 21 years old in April, 21. And knock on wood, she's still healthy and will remain healthy for, I don't know, I'd love her to be the Guinness Book of World Records cat. She lives to be like 30, <laughs> probably not likely. I'm grateful that I live in a beautiful home that I love. A little side story, I used to drive by this house 10 years ago. Not well, eight, nine years ago. And I was like, that is the kind of house I would love to live in. It's so beautiful. It's a craftsman. I love craftsmen. They are, have character and history and like all these little cool things about them. I don't like the modern houses that are just a box, right? Or like uber modern, which is very square. I mean, they're beautiful in their own way, just not my thing. And I used to drive by and look at this house. And I live in it now. We were looking for homes for almost a year and had all this crap we went through and lost like three or four or five different houses for various reasons. And then this one came on the market and there was already an offer on the house. And we got in a small bidding war and we even had to write a letter saying how much we loved this house, which was easy, and we got it. The house I dreamt of, I live in. Not many people can say that. So I try to remember what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful, even though I've mentioned before, most of my family is deceased, but I'm grateful that my mother is still alive. I won't say her age because she listens, but she's more seasoned. My cousin, who is 97 years old, and she's a hoot and she's amazing, still alive, I am grateful. I'm grateful for sunny days in California. Yes, the earth shakes, but we have more sunshine than most of other places in the country, and I love it. And so that's what we need to focus on, I think. And that's what I am choosing to focus on. Gratitude and hope. I went a little longer than I wanted to today, but I wanted to share. And I want to share with you one of the letters I got in my mailbag. Let's see if I can find it. And this is from someone named Nicholas. And Nicholas says, Hey Jody, I really enjoyed hearing you discuss how we should talk to ourselves. Thank you for these types of talks. I really took a lot from your last episode. It's so important to love yourself. And I listened to that episode at the perfect time. I never heard that expression your mom said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite, one bite at a time, by the way. 
which is how do you attack something in your life that's big and seems overwhelming, one small step at a time. He goes on to say, I love that you shared that. Keep up the podcasts. Your content is great with a little heart face, which that warms my heart. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Thank you for listening. Thank you everyone for listening. If you want to write, have questions about the show, what you like, what you don't like, you can reach me at bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, uh, Jody Rollins. You can find me all kinds of places. I'm on Twitter too, but uh, Instagram I'm more active on. I have Facebook pages as well, but Instagram is definitely the place to reach me. Or like I said, Big Time Small Talk Podcast at Gmail. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in all over the world. I love it when I add another country because the app shows you, Anchor app that I make this on, they, they want us to support them and I do. It shows me every single country where people are listening and it's been so exciting. We added the United Kingdom and Australia and Singapore just in the last 24 hours. So thank you to the United States because you are the greatest amount of listeners. Um, but And thank you to Canada because you are the second largest uh, listening group. But thank you to all of you for tuning in and letting me share. I hope to inspire you guys because I get inspired by talking to you. So this has been Big Time Small Talk. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Mm-hmm.